11 is where we're going to take our text from tonight. When I preach on Wednesday nights with having a job and family and responsibilities with the children, oftentimes it's my week when I get off Monday and Tuesday nights is spent in prayer and in study trying to get the mind of God for, uh, for the service on Wednesday. And uh, I have to be honest with you, all night, Monday night, the Lord didn't talk. Tuesday, I wasn't able to, to come to prayer meeting. Uh, but when I got down to pray at the house, the uh, praying, the heavens were brass, Brother Meeks, and uh, the, the river wasn't flowing. And I've learned through the course of ministry, there's times where I've gotten up and preached stuff and gotten ahead of God. But if the river ain't flowing, it ain't worth preaching. Amen. You might as well just sit down and shut up. Give the microphone to somebody else. You trying to force a uh, a square peg in a round hole, and uh, that uh, that ain't gonna ain't gonna fly. So I've learned to just wait on the Lord, and that that's hard for me to do if I don't have something by Tuesday night and at least know the direction. Uh, it, it's it's hard for me, but uh, I went to bed last night not knowing what I'd preach. I got up this morning not knowing what I was gonna preach. Drove to work. Worked a couple of hours. Okay, Lord, you got to talk to me. And uh, just before lunch, the heavens opened up, and uh, he began talking. And uh, uh, I, I feel the river flowing in my soul. So I believe he's got something he wants to share with us tonight. Mark chapter number 11. We're going to begin the reading with verse number 1 and read down to verse number 10. Mark 11, verse 1 reads, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say that the Lord had need of him. And straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways meet. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there unto them said, Why do ye least loosen the colt? Now, can you imagine having a colt that's yours? And all of a sudden, two strangers come up, start untying him, and start walking away with him. Yeah. That would be, in, in today's terms, which we'll get into it in just a moment, like somebody stealing an 18-wheeler. Yeah. You'd run after them. You'd stop them. Yeah. You'd, you'd try to do whatever it took. That's, a, that's your livelihood. That's, uh, that's a beast of burden. But when these men came, what do you loosen the colt? They said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him, and many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off trees and strode them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, in the highest. 
I want to preach that the Lord will help us tonight on loose the cult. Loose the cult. If you remember several years ago, Brother Eddie preached the message on loose the dove. One of his hallmark messages on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. Well, tonight I'm preaching on loose the cold. If you will, stretch forth your hands this way. Ask God to help us tonight. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for your spirit that we've been made to feel. Father, we know that you're good. We know that you're great and you were greatly to be praised. And God, I'm asking now, Lord, that you touch my body. God, that you would help me. Father, that you would make preaching easy. You'd make preaching effective. You'd make preaching anointing. Father, I pray that you would help me. God, I'm just a vessel. I'm just a conduit through which you can flow through. And I'm asking, oh God, that you would channel your spirit. I'm asking that you would channel your anointing. I'm asking, oh God, that you would anoint me as the oracle of God. Anoint us to hear the word of God tonight and help us to respond in these altars. I pray that when we leave here tonight, we can leave here more like you, Father, than we've ever been before. Draw us closer. God, I pray that you would give us direction. I pray that you'd give us wisdom. I pray that you would lead and guide our steps. Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And we, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen. Amen. <coughs> amen. If we look at this story, we know it as the triumphant entry when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem for the final time just prior to his crucifixion. And this is one of the handful of stories that you will find recorded in all four Gospels. You know, there's times where uh, there's one miracle that's recorded in, in Matthew, and it may not be recorded in Luke or in John. Those Gospels were written with different audiences in mind, with different purposes in mind. But in all four Gospels, you will find that this story is recorded. And if four different men were inspired to write it four different times, then I believe there's a message here that the Holy Ghost would have for the church. And there's a message for us in this hour. Now the Bible is clear in these verses that the central character in this place, we know is the, the triumphant entry. We know that Jesus Christ is the central and the, 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 the main star of this story. He is the, the central character. Nothing would have transpired or taken place without him. But I want you to realize the vessel that he used. It was not a, uh, a stallion. It was not a, uh, a, a, a big horse of the day. It was not a, a horse-drawn carriage. It was not uh, some of the, the modern luxuries of the day, but... He used a simple donkey to carry him into Jerusalem. Right. I, I thought as I read this story that that was intriguing to me because if, if it were me going through a, a town and people are lying in the streets and this is going to be my triumphant entry into Jerusalem, I'd want to be driving a Cadillac. I'd want a Porsche. I'd, I'd want something fancy. I wouldn't want to drive a Pinto uh, in to make a grand entrance into somewhere. But that's not how Jesus operates. That's not how Jesus operated. Amen. And, and in this particular story, to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he chooses a donkey. Amen. And we know that in John chapter number 12, verse 15, it says, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting 
on an ass's colt. And I believe if we look at this story, we can find some parallels to this donkey to the church. I'm not calling you donkeys tonight. But I can tell you the plan and the purpose for the donkey is the same plan and purpose that the Lord would have for you and I. If you would just hold on with me for just a few moments. I believe that we can see that this young colt of a donkey is a type of the church. Why would you say that? Number one, the donkey was known as a beast of burden. It was one that would be an animal that was known for being able to endure and carry a heavy load. You see, donkeys in biblical days, they were not used as much for riding as they were for carrying goods and carrying things that, and transporting items that humans couldn't. I began studying this donkey out this afternoon and evidence goes back some 4,000 years that donkeys have been transporting goods in the middle and the far east. Many of these loads would cause humans to crumble. Amen. But these donkeys would be able to bear and carry the weight with much ease. And I began thinking about the church. You and I, we are called to carry one another's burdens. We're one to carry one another's loads. Amen. We can bind together and carry burdens that would crush one individual. But when we bind together as an instrument uh, unto God, we can carry items and we can carry burdens. Uh, that's too much for one to bear, but you can bring it to the church uh, and we can carry uh, the load. It's Galatians 6 verse 2 that tells us uh, to bear one another burdens uh, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, if you want to fulfill the law of Christ, uh, then pray for your brother or your sister. Bind together with them in prayer. Help them carry the load. In James 5 and 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Listen, we're not called to gossip about one another in the church, but we're called to lift up one another in the church. Say amen to me, somebody. Amen. There's many churches today, amen, to where the, one of the most gossiping places is the house of God. Brother, I need you to help me pray about this. I've got this going on in my life. Yes, sir, I'll help you pray. But before they pray about it, they call five other people and tell them what's going on. We're not called to put one another down. Unless it's putting them down on our prayer list to lift them up and to bring them before the throne of heaven. I mean, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I mean, why does it avail much? Because there's power in unity when we bind together in prayer. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 tells us that two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath no, uh, not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, and then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Listen, there's power in unity. 
unity. There's power in the church. And you and I are called to bear one another's burden. When you tell me a prayer request and you tell me something's going on in your life, it stings me just as much as if it were me walking through the fire and facing the tribulation. And that's the way it should be as the body of Christ. We're here as a church and not to condemn one another, but we're here to lift up one another and to bear each other's burdens. We are called to be, amen, burden carriers for each other. We're called to carry the burden of each other in the body of Christ. And number two, we are called to lift up the burden of this world to Christ in prayer. Listen, when we see all of the sin and the hogwash that's going on in the world, we think, amen, how bad is it going to get? My question is, how bad would it already be if the church wasn't here praying against it? If we weren't standing in the way, if we weren't the restrainer, Brother Daniel, pushing against it in militant prayer, amen, I can tell you demonic forces and spirit would already be taken over and in charge. Listen, folks, everything that's going on in the world, I'm against much that has transpired even today, but it ain't going to do me any good, amen, to stand and just talk about what's bad and what's wrong if I'm not willing to pray about it and I'm not willing to take it to God in prayer we're not only called to carry the church's burden but we're called to be intercessors in this present world to carry it to God in prayer we're called to be carriers of burdens number two that donkey we know was a carrier of burdens number two we know that that donkey was broken by Christ if you know anything about donkeys, you know that they're stubborn animals. By and large, they do what they want, when they want. If you leave them on their own and you try to get them to do something, if they don't want to do it, you're in for a long day. They can be stubborn, and they can uh, be wild, and they have to be broken, just like a horse has to be broken. You don't just jump on something that hasn't been broken and expected to carry you where you want to go. You may get there eventually, but you're going to have a lot of stops on the way. You might have to dust yourself off several times where it bucks you and where it uh, does everything that it can to get you off its back. The Bible was very clear, and this is the astonishing thing in the story to me, one of the astonishing things, is that this donkey had never been ridden. The Bible says that never a man had sat on it. In verse number two of our text, Go ye into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat, loosing and breaking. There's probably a very good reason why that thing was tied up to start with. And you see, when Christ Take something. The nature of that thing changes. Oh, hallelujah. That thing was tied up probably because it hasn't been broken. And its, its wheel was very stubborn. At this point, no one had broken it. 
If you and I were to try to hop on and ride it, the end result would not have been good. You would have been dealing with an unbroken, stubborn animal that would not take a, it would take a lot of working before it would be in riding shape. However, this was not the case with Christ. Never a man sat on this colt, but when they loosed him, they took him to Christ and immediately he sat on it without a buck, without a name, without a kick, without anything of scripture. Why? Because Christ changed the nature of the beast to fulfill his purpose. Listen, that's exactly what Christ has done in the born again man. Being born again, yes, it's about being covered in the blood. Yes, it's about having your sins erased and your sins removed. But there's got to be a nature change. There's got to be a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction, and a change of nature. Listen, my nature is altogether different than it was when I was in the world lost in sin. Amen. The, 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 my nature has been changed. No longer is it to do the things of sin and the will of self. But my nature is now to do the will of God. Listen, I, I, I never prayed before I was born again. The only extent of my praying was, Lord, don't come back tonight. Lord, don't take me like this. There was one night at a party. I'm not reveling in anything of the past. But there was one night after a night of partying when I woke up the next morning. Somebody told me, they said, man, you did a lot of praying last night. I said, what are you talking about? They said, all throughout the morning we heard you saying, Lord, don't let me die like this. Lord, don't come tonight. I mean, that was the extent, Brother Joey, of my praying. I knew even in an un conscious state. I was living wrong. I was living outside and contrary to the will of God. But my nature was to sin. My nature was to do what this flesh wanted to do. But now that I've been born again, that nature has been changed. I no longer desire I'm in the, the alcohol of this world. I desire the sweet Holy Ghost. I no longer desire a life of sin. Oh, I desire a life of holiness unto the Lord. I no longer go to the places of ill repute. Amen. But my desire is to come to the house of the Lord and join together with brothers and sisters in unity in the corporate worship of the Lord. What happened? It wasn't turning over a new leaf. It wasn't getting a jump start on a new life. No. That old man died and a new man took his place with a different nature, with a different mind, with a different spirit. That's what being born again is all about. He'll take a stubborn wild donkey and make him tame. Christ is the only answer for stubborn men. I heard the women say amen right there. So I'm going to turn the other side of the coin. Christ is the only answer for stubborn women. Say amen to me, man. Amen, there's a few that ain't scared. Hallelujah. He's the only answer. He bridles us and reigns us in. How? By breaking us. Sometimes Christ has to break us down before He can elevate us. 
Sometimes we have to be disassembled and we have to be broken down and we have to crash. Our dreams have to die. Our ambitions have to die. Our goals have to die. Why? So His will can be fulfilled in my life. I had my life all mapped out of what I wanted to be, of what I wanted to do, of when I wanted to do it. Oh, but when Christ got on the scene, all of that died so that the will of God can live. Sometimes he has to break us down before he can build us up. Christ is the only answer for stubborn flesh. And I'll say this. I may not get many amens right here, but thank God that I'm preaching in the best church this side of heaven. So I'm preaching to all of the other churches out there. But I'll say this, Christ is the only answer for a church that can tend to go rogue when it's left to its own devices. Sometimes some of the most mean-spirited places that you can go on planet Earth has a name in front of it, but it's followed by church or assembly or Baptist or Methodist or holiness. What's happening? They're following religion and rituals, but they're not following righteousness. And because of that, when the church is left to its own agenda and the church's own will and plans are what dominate the schedule, amen, it goes rogue and it gets off track real quick like. But the only thing that can keep the church in line, the only thing that can keep that donkey straight is Christ. Any other man jumped on his back, Brother Meeks, uh, there would have been trouble that day in Jerusalem. Uh, he would have gone one way and the donkey would have gone the other. Uh, the only man that could have done this was Christ. Why? Uh, because he produced a change. Uh, he produced a change of nature uh, in that animal. Uh, it had to be broken uh, before it could be rebuilt. Number three, and the most important thing, the most important trait that we share with this animal is it was a bearer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In this story, that donkey had one mission. That donkey had one plan. That donkey was divinely put there for one purpose. And that was to get Jesus from point A to point B. It wasn't there to do any other task. It wasn't there to be put in the spotlight. It wasn't there, oh my God, to have its name in the limelight. Amen. Listen, that donkey would have been nothing without Christ. Amen. What separated it from all of the other donkeys in Jerusalem? There's only one thing, and that was Christ. That donkey would have been absolutely nothing, except on this day, it was divinely put at a divine spot for a divine encounter with the divine Savior. And it was was put there uh, to carry Jesus from point A uh, to point B. Uh, nothing more uh, and nothing less. Uh, as the church we have one mandate uh, and that is to carry the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. Uh, it matters not where. Uh, it matters not how uh, you were put here. Uh, amen. January the 20th uh, 2021 for one purpose uh, and that is to be a bearer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, to carry Him uh, wherever you go. Uh, to carry 
him to your home, to carry him to your job, to carry him to Walmart, to carry him to the gas station, to carry him to the school, to carry him with you wherever you may be. We are called to carry the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's our purpose in life. It's to get born again and to tell somebody else about this wonderful Savior. All Christianity is. One of my favorite sayings, and I've seen it several times here lately. Christianity is, in a nutshell, is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Hallelujah. One hungry man telling another hungry man, hey, I know where the bread of life can be found. And it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when we bottle and water this thing down, it's loving Christ and loving each other and telling the world that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the healer, Jesus is the baptizer, and He is the soon coming King. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Bear in Christ. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the people you like. Go and preach the gospel to all the white people you see. Go preach the gospel to the black crowd because they're all that matters. Preach to the Japanese or the Chinese or the Mexican. Preach the gospel to every creature. Listen, the Lord has blessed me and I, I, I boast not in self for, for any vain glory to carry this gospel to 15 countries. And I hadn't preached to a solid white congregation yet outside of our country. Listen, I, I got on a Sunday morning. There's no nationality or Skin color, race or creed that has a monopoly on the gospel. But we're called to carry the gospel to every creature. To the rich, to the poor, to the black, to the white. Amen. To the red. It matters not the color. It matters not their pedigree. But we're to carry the gospel. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And to the uttermost parts of this world. Wherever you go. At home or abroad. We're to be bearers of Christ. We're to carry Jesus to a lost. And die in a world Listen, the defining moment in that cult's life was not what he did before Jesus or what he did after Jesus. But his defining moment in life was the small amount of time that he carried Christ. Oh, I could preach right there for a little while. Your defining moment is not what you did in your previous life before Christ. And it's not what's going to happen after your experience with Christ dies. But your life will never get any better than it is when you're carrying Him. Oh, when your vessel is full of His Spirit and your vessel is full of His power and you're carrying Jesus to the world, there's no life better than the Christian life. Yes. Listen, He was placed there by the determinate will of God for one moment in time to complete that one task. You and I were placed here at this time 
by the same will of God to complete the assignment of sharing Christ. Listen, we can buck him. Brother Daniel, we can kick against his will. Saul tried it. Christ, how, how hard for thee is it to kick against the pricks? The pricks of conviction. You can kick against them. You can go your own way. Or you can submit, Paul. And you can be what God would have you to be. Oh, this donkey. There were two ways. There were two streets that met here. He could have gone the other way. He could have found a back alley somewhere. Say, I refuse. Oh, but he submitted himself to the Lordship of Christ. And that was the defining moment in his life. Hallelujah. I can tell you, your defining moment will be when you submit and surrender to his perfect will. The church being all that he would have us to be. Not only was it a bearer of Christ, number four, it was the bringer of peace. The bringer of peace. I read this in Albert Barnes' commentary this afternoon. And I tell you, it come alive in my spirit. In biblical days, horses were very rare. It was rare to have a horse, much less a team of horses. But when they were available, horses were used for war because of their speed, because of their body size. Because of how much ground they could cover. Therefore Barnes gave us the picture. He said if a group of strangers showed up. At the gates of your town. And they were riding on horses. They were there for business. And that business oftentimes Wasn't with the best of intentions. But Barnes said if they showed up on a group of donkeys. They were often referred to as the animals of peace. They were there to exchange goods. They were there, or camels, or whatever the beast of burden was. They were there for merchandise, and they were often viewed as peaceful. Brother Meeks, I began to think about Christ when he comes back the second time. When he comes to execute judgment, he's going to be riding a white horse. He's here for war. Hallelujah. But when he came the first time, he came for peace. Hallelujah. You see, in the end, the final analysis, uh, when Christ comes back the second time, uh, we see him coming back to execute judgment in Revelation. Uh, but in his first coming, he came uh, in peace uh, and instituted grace. Uh, we as the church are not called to incite violence uh, or to get caught up uh, in trivial affairs in this life. Uh, but we are come to bring the peace uh, of God's word to this world. Uh, listen, I'm not telling you there will be conflict. Uh, I'm not here to tell you there will be squirmishes. Uh, but I am here to tell you uh, that the peace of God uh, that passeth all under all understanding, uh, it is His will for peace to rule, uh, and it is His will uh, for peace to reign. Why? Uh, because He is uh, the very Prince of Peace. Uh, he is uh, the embodiment of peace. Uh, you can have peace in the middle of a world uh, full of chaos, uh, with war surrounding you on every side. Uh, if you've got Christ, uh, you've got peace in your heart. Uh, it's not the absence of warfare. Uh, it's not 
not the absence of conflict. Amen. But it is the promise of a very present help in time of need. And he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. As the church, we are called to share this peace with the world. Share this peace with the world. The answer for the country. The answer for the nation. The answer for this world. Oh my God. Is this man called Christ. Hallelujah. It's the peace that he'll bring into the hearts and the minds of people. I've already heard them say. Amen. Throughout different media outlets. We got to deprogram certain groups of people. We've got to change the way that they think. We've got to change the way that they act. We've got to reprogram. We've got to re-educate them. They're talking about all that they can do to certain sects of people and I'm pretty sure you know uh, who those sex are uh, now that they have power uh, now that they're in charge uh, anybody that don't think like them uh, we need to reprogram the way that they think uh, so that they can think like us uh, I'm here to tell you the answer uh, is not re-education uh, the answer is not deprogramming uh, or reprogram uh, but the answer uh, is Christ uh, he's the only answer uh, for a sin-filled world uh, he's the only answer uh, for a nation in a world go mad and when you have Christ you will have peace why is it the nations are at war tonight because they're nations void of Christ and because of that by proxy they are nations void of peace man I can prove to you Amen, that Christ and His power is the only one that can change a nation. Why is that? Because He's the only one that can change people. I'll share with you a very personal story. My grandfather was a godly man, a deacon in my home church for over 60 years. A man that fasted, a man that prayed, a man that sought God, a man that was honest in his dealings with, with people. My grandpa was a good man. But my grandpa grew up in a time when America was very different than what we know it as today. And he grew up in a South that was very different than what we know today. And my grandpa grew up as with whether you want to call it racism or you want to call it prejudice, whatever you want to label it and call it. My grandpa had a problem with people of a different skin color. He was a good man. But even good people have their faults. Say amen to me somebody. There was a time where I brought a boy from school. His name was Reggie. Reggie was always in trouble. Reggie was suspended with in-school suspension all the time. I think he about was suspended more than he was actually at school. 
People didn't understand him. He was just a troublemaker. And after I got saved, God put a burden in my heart for Reggie. And I started to get to know him. And I, I said, Reggie, why don't you come to church with us? We have youth service on Friday nights. And I'd love to have you come, come be with me. And we, we'd have a time of devotion. And we'd play basketball and volleyball and eat a hamburger, a hot dog. And I said, just come with us. We'll shoot basketball. We'll have a good time. I went and picked Reggie up. And I began talking to him. And I found out why Reggie was the way that he was. His mama left him as just a boy to be raised by his grandmother. Because his mom wanted to live an alternate lifestyle. She really didn't want the, her children, her child, holding her back. Well, Reggie was lived with his grandparents. His grandparents, I, I can't remember if they passed away or whatever the case was, but Reggie's mom came back into his life. And she wasn't in his, the picture very long until she got diagnosed with cancer. And Reggie was having to try to take care of his mom while going to school and uh, getting kicked out and getting troubled. And he was picked on and, and all this kind of stuff. And then I started connecting the dots and I realized why Reggie was the way that he was. You see, sometimes we need to get to know people before we pass judgment on people. Everybody has a story. Some are good or, or some are better than the other. Others, some are good. Some are not so good. Reggie's wasn't so good. But I started investing time. And he come to church with me. Come to church. He went that night. Absolutely loved the service. Played basketball. Ate, had the best time. No discipline problems. Respectful to everybody. Took him back home. And I said, why don't you come go to church with me Sunday morning? I'm coming. I like your church. I ain't never been to a white church before, but I like yours. I said, good, we like you too. Come back. Started, I, I was happy. I, I was going to win Reggie to the Lord. I went over to my grandpa's house that Saturday. He said, son, he said, I heard you. Brought a boy with you to church last, last night to youth service. Yes, sir, I did. He said, let me tell you something. He said, they have their houses of worship and we have ours. He said, I love black people. He said, I worked them. He said, but there's two places a black man will never come. He said, they won't come to my house and they won't come to my church. I asked him, Grandpa, I said, do you plan to go to heaven? Yes. Do you think that there's going to be black people in heaven? I do. I said, well, if you can't go to church with them, how are you going to go to heaven with them? He said, I don't know. God's going to have to work that one out. Just bear with me just for another couple of minutes. My heart was grieved and broken. What do I do? Do I respect my grandpa? I was young in the Lord. I didn't have a lot of wisdom. I asked different family members for guidance. They said, you need to respect what your grandpa says. And I can tell you, I had to call Reggie and tell him that I couldn't pick him up that morning for church. And I can tell you to this day, that's one of my biggest regrets in this life. Every man deserves this gospel. 
That bothered me, Brother Joey, for a long, long time. I, I didn't know how to handle that. And for years, I prayed, Lord, will you please give me an opportunity to talk to my grandpa about that? I'll hate for this, for him to be a deacon in a church for 60 years. And when he gets to heaven, there's going to be prejudice in his heart that keeps him out of the city. I fasted about that. I prayed about that. Looking for the right opportunity. When could I talk to him? Every time I would try to talk to him, Brother Joey, it was like the Holy Ghost would put his hand over my mouth. Don't do it. Now's not the time. Now's right. It was eating at me. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure he was getting up in age if he died. Brother Meeks, I wanted to make sure that was right with God. Every time the Holy Ghost pulling down in my coattail. Not yet. My grandpa got to be in bad health. And he was on the brink of death several times. And this particular time, we didn't know whether he was going to pull out of it or not. But I left work one Friday afternoon. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Left work one Friday afternoon, went to Mobile Infirmary. And I was sitting in the chair by his bed, and there were several other family members there. And he had a nurse come in that he was, he would always cut up with and he said something to her that she didn't like. And she walked out of the room crying. He upset her at this point in time. He was losing his filter and he didn't really care if he hurt your feelings or not. He'd say what come to his mind. And she left the room and she was visibly upset. She come back in and he looked at her and he began talking to her and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry, I know that I shouldn't have, have said what I said. And he said, if, I know this is going to be very odd. But he said, can I ask you something? She said, sure, Mr. Heathcock, anything. And he said, do you mind if I hug your neck? And she said, no, sir, I don't. And she leaned over and he began to hug his neck, or he began to hug her neck. And it wasn't just a quick little hug but it was an embrace. Tears filled his eyes and he would have been, he started sobbing like a baby. And she said, Mr. Heathcock, what's wrong? And he finally let her go and he said, there was a point in time in my life where I never would have done that. He said, I had things in my heart against you and against your people that was not right. He said, but over the last several days, God has been dealing with me. And he said, I've got to make it right. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I know you're just one person. He said, but I'm sorry for the people I've hurt. I'm sorry for the people that I've offended. He said, I'm sorry for the people that I've done wrong. And he said, I just want to know that you'll forgive me. She said, yes, Mr. Heathcock, I'll forgive you and I love you. By that time, everybody in the room was in tears. I mean, why did I tell you that story? Because we've got movements in this world that says we need to re-educate the way people think. We need to give them racial uh, and, and, and uh, diversity and inclusion uh, classes. That's the buzzwords in this hour. Uh, to teach people to be more tolerant. Uh, to teach people how to think and to be more accepted. Uh, and if we can re-educate people and if we can train the way that they think, uh, then our society will be better. Our nation will be better. Listen, uh, we've got more education right now uh, than we've ever had before. Uh, and we 
got a, divide, a nation that has never been as divided as it is right now. Amen. I can tell you, sir or ma'am, it's not in re-education. It's not in education. It's not in diversity and inclusion. The only hope that can change the way people think is the gospel. The only thing that can make a white man love a black man and a black man love a Mexican and a Mexican a Chinese is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else will do the job. Nothing else will heal the wounds and heal the divine. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house tonight. Is Christ and Christ alone. He is the answer. If we start preaching the gospel and not stop and stop propagating trash that we have today, the world would be a much better place. Jesus Christ is the answer for the world today. Above Him there's no other. Jesus is still the way. He can change the mind of a man that for 80 years, over 80 years, He can change your heart. He can change my heart. He can change this nation. That's why I refuse to give up on the church. Amen. I refuse to give up on the church. Why? Because it's the instrument that brought peace to the cross. It's the instrument that brought, brought peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, to the place where he could be lifted up. And the word of God says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. We are the instrument that can bring peace, amen, to this world. Lastly, Kirsten, come help me, I'm done. This donkey was blinded to its environment and its surroundings. If you know anything about donkeys, you'll know that they're territorial. We've had a few on the farm at different points and times. And if you had a good jack or a chill or a donkey, you had a good animal. But if you had one that didn't like you and you got in his face, he was going to let you know real quick like. They're territorial. When someone or something invades a space that's new, these animals can become aggressive. They're oftentimes startled by sudden and loud noises. So can you imagine this donkey as it's untied from the door, as a man is sitting on his back that had never happened before? The Bible says never a man had sat on it. And then it's, he kicks it side and it starts walking. You've got hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people lying in the street hollering, Hosanna, Hosanna. You've got people that are throwing palm branches at it as a sign of reverence for the Lord. Taking off his, their outer cloaks and lying in the street as a sign of reverence. But could you imagine the nature of that donkey? I'm sure that it, the, the, the nature, if it had not been changed, it would have bucked Christ. Somebody probably would have got bit. Somebody would have got kicked. But while all this was going on, that animal had to be blind to everything that was happening around him. It had to tune out everything 
except the person that it was carrying. Listen, in this world, there are many different voices. There are many different competing things that's out for your attention, that's out for your focus. We, like that donkey, have got to have total vision to where nothing matters except the voice of the master. Nothing matters except the problem of the master. For you see, it was Paul that said to the church of Corinth, he said, when I come to you, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing, nothing to know anything among you save Christ and Him crucified. I came unto you with tunnel vision. I didn't care who won the presidential election. I didn't care who the mayor was. I, I didn't care did the, the laws or the edicts that they were being passed. I, the only thing that I cared about was giving unto you the gospel. The only thing that I cared about, I, I didn't care about who won the ball game. I, I didn't care about how many deer had been killed. I, I, I didn't care about uh, what was happening at the racetrack. I, I, I didn't care what the talk was at the barbershop. Nothing mattered except Christ. Hallelujah. He went on to say, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. That was Paul's frailty. You and I are very frail people. Without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I didn't have excellency of speech. I didn't have great uh, uh, amounts of men's intellect or, or wisdom. I was with you in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. I, I had not enrolled to the sermon of the month club. I didn't have a, a flattering word to where you could have on your Sunday mornings with coffee and donuts. I didn't have the latest Live Your Best Life Now book. I had none of that. But I came in demonstration of the power and of the Spirit that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but that it should stand in the power of God. Listen, in this instance, Paul was blind to everything but Jesus said, I, did, I come to see nothing among you, to know nothing, say Christ. And Paul was built on nothing but Jesus. Amen. He wrote that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but that it stands in the power of God. Paul was the embodiment of that donkey in the triumphal entry. Cared nothing about anything else but carrying Christ to the masses. Carrying Christ to the world. Listen, amen, we in this hour, somebody needs to loose the colt. The colt's been tied up by the door for too long. The colt has been missing its purpose for too long. It's time for the church to be the church, to carry one another's burdens. Hallelujah. I feel God tonight to carry one another's burdens, to carry the nature of Christ. Amen. To be broken by Christ so that we can be built up by Christ. To be a carrier of Jesus. To be a bringer of peace. And to be blind to everything but Christ. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. For the last several weeks, 
the best thing for me personally that I have done in a long, long time was turning off the voice of that news channel. I can't speak for you. I've always loved politics. I've always loved political science. I've always loved history. I've always loved what's going on, knowing what's going on in the world. But I can tell you what we've got today isn't delivering news, it's delivering propaganda. And if we get so caught up into that, it's so easy to get caught up listening to all of these voices that we'll miss the most important voice, the voice of God. I'm not telling you to be an ostrich and put your hand in the sand and ignore everything that's going on. But what I am telling you to do is to never let the voice of this world override the voice of God. Sometimes we need to shut it off and quit hearing what Fox News has to say and to listen what God wants to say. Sometimes it does us good to get off of Facebook and to get into His book and say, Lord, what do you want me to know? God, not what some liberal in New York wants me to hear. Not some truth they want me to hear. Say, Lord, what's a truth for today for me? Amen. Being blind to everything but Christ. She can tell you, I could watch, sit there and watch it for hours a day. Not bad an eye. Last night she turned on the news. She'd fuss at me all the time. I could put it on some news channel for five minutes. She's fussing at me. Why are you watching this for? Yada, 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 yada. I love you, darling. Last night she turns on the news. <laughs> she sat there watching her for about two minutes, and I just looked at her and said, My, how the tables have turned. <laughs> Turn that junk off. I don't want to hear it. Amen. And I can tell you, I feel better in my spirit right now than I have before. Amen. Sometimes it does us good to change our perspective, change the voice that we're listening to, and make sure that we're hearing Him. Listen, that donkey is a top and a foreshadowing of the church to come. That was its defining moment when it carried Christ in the closing moments of his life. In just a few days, he'd be crucified and it would be over. Brother Daniel, I believe our defining moment can be in the last days just prior to the rapture coming back. Somebody needs to loose the colt. Hallelujah, we've been tied up for too long. Amen, the church has been missing her mandate and her mission for too long. It's time for the church to be the church. Amen. Tonight, I wish somebody would unloose the colt. Amen. Make up in your mind, I'm tired of being tired, uh, tied up. I'm tired of being boxed up. I, I, I'm tired of being uh, reined in. I, I'm ready to be what Christ wants me to be. I'm ready to carry Jesus to this world. How many of you will say, I'm ready to be loose tonight? I'm ready to unloose the cold. Could you meet me here in this altar tonight? <laughs> Hallelujah.